are Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Predators podcast. Justin Bradford, Matt Best coming at you. More Predators training camp news and also what's going on with the affiliation with the AHL, with the National Predators and how that got figured out. Uh, but first, before we even get to that, just wanted to say that we hope this, if anything, could be a nice little escape for you, whether it's 30 minutes or 40 minutes, however long we decide to go on this podcast. There's been a lot, a lot of bad things going on in America yeah. right now. And we want to obviously address that, but not focus on that. So we hope this can be an escape for you. We want you to interact with us and everything too. Uh, it's important to us that we are able to provide you with hockey knowledge and just news of what's going on in hockey, but also obviously understand what is going on in the world and going on in America. I'm sure as Matt, as a Canadian has different viewpoints up there that they're, they're witnessing the outside looking in. Yeah. It's been interesting as well, but it was a very sad day in the United States uh, yesterday and we won't, push on that much more we just hope that everyone stays safe out there and you're doing doing the right things and being kind to one another being kind yeah. to your neighbors and showing empathy and with that let's get on to hockey talk predators training what? camp matt <laughs> <laughs> yeah the only thing i want to say based on what you said it's <clears throat> you, you treat everyone the way you want to be treated that's it like you learned that in elementary school or i don't know what you call that schooling down there primary school <laughs> um <laughs> elementary school works that was right okay yeah. i mean here we have two different kindergartens so right uh, <laughs> but just just be kind to one another treat everyone the way you'd like to be treated i mean it's a lesson we learned as children and just carry it on to your adult life and that's all i'll say on the matter here we go so national predators training camp continuing on they've been on the ice for three days they have a day off on thursday and then they have a scrimmage on friday and a scrimmage on sunday so right to it as a prepare for the season to start in one week, one week from tonight, or one week from Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, the Predators will hit the ice at Bridgestone Arena without fans, and they'll be they'll take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's what what a way just to kick it off. We're starting about the beginning of the training camp, and then now it's almost the start of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like this is the most well, it is the shortest training camp ever, but it's going to feel like it's the preseason when we first start watching games. We're going to look at this and go, oh, we're watching our team play for the first time since the playoffs. Must be training camp. Then you see like 0-1 or 1-0. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, this is legit. We got to just <laughs> down here. Uh, early observations from training camp for the, for the Predators compared to teams around the league. Uh, it seems like every team is putting their lines through a line blender, whereas John Hines is just like, he's dead fast and he's in what he's doing. I mean, the top line hasn't changed. You're not seeing any experiments. And I honestly think this is the way to do it. If you're not bringing in those high impact players, and I'm not saying Granlin and Halla aren't high impact. I'm just saying those guys are pieces where you can easily slot them in second line, left wing, third line center kind of thing. You're not trying to experiment with them and break up what you already have. Uh, so it's really nice. And I think the predators will have a bit of a head start in that sense for team chemistry. Uh, what have you observed in training camp so far? Yeah, so well, the big things is obviously Luke Cunning getting his contract signed and getting out there on the ice. Now, granted, again, I'll continue to say this, a lot of these guys have been practicing together in small groups. So it's not like this is his first ever time hitting the ice with the Predators, like what you sometimes would see in a typical offseason. A lot of folks have been training together on the ice and off the ice, so it's not like they're all strangers to one another. And it's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> the first time they hit the ice, they've been on there. So Luke Cunning out there. Then Mark Borowiecki getting out there on day two of training camp. Uh, Matias Eichholm finally arriving. Uh, Matt Duchesne has still not arrived. He's under quarantine. They're deemed unfit to practice slash play right now. 
but from my understanding, from what I've seen, <laughs> is that he's currently under quarantine from a primary exposure. Um, not that he was tested positive, and we probably would never know that potentially, but from primary exposure on accident, which is a lot of times what happens right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what we hear from there. Obviously, still waiting on Glenland and Howla based on their situations that we know. So everyone is accounted for based on situation, aside from confirmation with Duchesne. That's the, like the only one uh, that has been missing. But obviously, if it's going to quarantine, totally understandable. That's the, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get I, them out there. So everyone's still, everyone's out there that should be out there right now. <laughs> it's still mind blowing to me, and I feel bad for Duchesne because he's like the only one that hasn't reported. And Duchesne is like the predator's whipping boy at this point. Right. Lay off. It's a pandemic. I know. Let people do their own thing and they'll get like they're playing a sport. I know when they get paid an exuberant amount of money, but just give them a <laughs> bit more slack. This right. Year. So my early observations in terms of what I've been seeing at camp is there are a lot of high intensity drills, which is absolutely what should be happening right now. You can't just kind of wing it and beef it up a little bit as you go. It's like you got to be right on to it and get into high intensity drills. A lot of them are on puck possession, yep. battling for the puck and positioning. So one of the big things that I noticed yesterday on ice on Wednesday was what they're doing is working on the positioning and transition. So what happens when a turnover happens? Everyone gets in their position, which you see is more of like a, I don't want to say a diamond, but almost looks like a five of spades. <laughs> like what you see a five of card and playing cards, the two, one, two set up when they're positioning, whether depending on which side of the ice they're on, turnover happens deep in the zone. Defenseman has to decide then how we're going to do the breakout and they work on the breakout, the transition in, and then maintaining possession. That was the focus on a lot of things. And to me, that's a good fundamental because it is a fundamental, especially for a professional athlete. Those are fundies right there. It's yeah. not just your simple skating. It's fundies of possession and how to have the good breakout and how John Hines wants to establish the breakout. A lot of those things on puck possession, it was what I've really been noticing. And those things are important for this team is puck possession because the t- this team overall is a pretty good team scoring five on five. A lot of their troubles have been in special teams. So if they're able to maintain possession and have good clean zone entries, which can be an issue, then that's going to establish a better offensive production for this team as well. That's what I've really been seeing on focus. Plus, like you even said, line combinations have been pretty steady in terms of Joe has been together. It's been, a lot of the, a certain fourth line together with Tolvanen, which has been curious being with Brad Richardson. So it's uh, it's 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 interesting to see what some of these lines are. The biggest type of evaluation is going to come after the scrimmage. That's when you have actual gameplay and they're going to yeah. play very different from an internal team scrimmage that we see, <clears throat> excuse me, during most training camps where obviously you have a lot of prospects kind of fighting for spots, but the veterans are kind of secure. No, in this scrimmage, I fully expect to see them going as far out as possible as all out as they possibly can to make their impressions because there are so many different question marks here that guys have to absolutely battle to whether they're going to be in a starting lineup or on the taxi squad. That's what I expect to see. So right now it's difficult to evaluate who's standing out here, who's standing out there. I can't do any of that right now until I see them in game. Coaches know what they're looking for during drills and practice. Mm -hmm. I don't because I I don't know what they're looking for right now being really good at like practice and skills training is any player can really just be good at that. It's applying that to in game is where people's hockey's IQ comes out and plays, but like, that's what you're looking for. It's hockey IQ during these scrimmages. It's do I make the quick pass up the middle or do I dump it off the side of the boards? I mean, when you're running a practice, it's designed in your head that, yeah, you're going to look for that outlet pass on that specific play. 
Whereas in a game sense situation, it's like, well, that defender is not supposed to be there. I got to chip it off the boards. It's just reacting to things like that. So I'm going to be, it's going to be really fun to watch them during this scrimmage just to see how they react. Because I mean, everything's been so scripted so far, right? Because that's all it's been is training Mm -hmm. camps. And it's not like they're going to face real competition from other teams. I mean, these scrimmages, a lot of people are like super fired up to watch them. I'm not thrilled to be watching them. I'd rather watch a preseason game. Sure. (laughs) Because you're getting competition from other teams and other strategies. Right. But I mean, this is going to be a good way to internally figure out who the heck is going to stand out. uh, What lines are going to deserve more ice time. I think that's really one key notion here because as it stands, if the second line doesn't come out swinging, I could see the second and third line being real close and average time on ice and Heinz going, all right, first line, Jofa, let's go. Like I'm going to ride this line very hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking for production from the middle six is the biggest storyline that I'm following heading into the scrimmage. Absolutely is. And for those of you wondering, yes, the Predators did announce on Thursday that they are going to be able to stream both of those scrimmages on Predator social media. Just look out for the live streams there. I believe that should be Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube, I believe is where they typically do their live streams. So there's no excuse for you to not be able to watch it unless you don't have an internet connection or a mobile data connection. That's pretty much yeah. the, the only way you're not going to be able to watch those things. So luckily you'll be able to watch what's going on there too. And that'll be a great time for us to evaluate. The other thing with Predators training camp in terms of settings with pairs, pretty sure we already know defense for the top four. Uh, people are wondering if maybe Fabro might slide into the third just in case, but what we've seen so far, it's been Benny Borvietsky. That's, and that's pretty much what we expected. We dear God, man. We talk about this third pairing so much. Well, because we're just establishing that, yes, that's what we expected. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. I well, mean, there's not much to talk about with the top four because it's the no, top four. No, I know. That the top four is like entrenched. That's it. If yeah. they change the top four, I'd be, it'd be a whole podcast on that. But yeah, Borviatsky and Benning are going to get the first dips at that third pairing. And but then we'll see where of, it goes from there. Out of everyone on the roster. Uh, couldn't you agree that that's where the shortest leash is right now is that third pairing because I figured they have the most interchangeable parts there that they could plug and play and figure out chemistry Mm. compared to like when you start dicing around with the forwards you're not just doing a simple yeah we're swapping a fourth liner for a fourth liner but some of your taxi squad players are going to be good enough to play middle six minutes so then you're just jumbling other lines right but whereas the bottom D pairing it's so cut and dry that in out that's it like there's no all right now this guy moves to this line this guy moves to this line okay that's fair now I see what you're saying short leash uh I could see that as well and it's one of those things I fully expect them to tinker a little bit with it because what we saw last season was kind of ham Hughes plus and then for a while it was Weber plus and it's kind of all mixed throughout to see who is going to fit best there. I definitely expect that in some games, depending on matchups as well. This is going to be one of those league, sorry, one of those seasons where the matchup is going to depend on a lot of things and what lineup you're going to put out there. Like I, I fully expect Mike McCarron to get a few games in in the NHL, yep. depending on who the Predators are playing. Yeah, that's and it's, it's going to happen. I expect them to rest Boro. Like, even though he's not a player, you typically expect to be rested, but that's a dude who's blocking every shot known to mankind. So he's going to get his rest days when he's a little banged up. Right. And depend on the matchup. So especially with Taves being out, goaltending and big question mark in Chicago, that's a game where you maybe spell a couple, a guy or two and you let yeah. another guy play. Same thing with Detroit, depending on how they're, they're going and everything and who they're putting in too, then you're going to be beat. It's about matchups, just like on the ice, about matchups, it's your roster matchup as well. Whereas going against Tampa, you're going to have your top guys. Absolutely. Going against Carolina, you're going to have your top guys. 
uh, go yeah. on there. And same thing. We'll with talk Dallas. about it. We'll talk about it later in the season, but I think the message would be completely wrong if Hines were to sit his top guys against some of these upper echelon teams. Because then you're just basically saying, yeah, we don't expect to win. I'm going to wave the white flag here. That's what right. it says. It doesn't matter if it's like a back-to-back or something like that. You can't sit your top guys against the best teams. All right. And because I, I teased it last episode, and I just remember that I teased it last episode, I am going to ask you a random fantasy hockey question right now. Okay. Hit me. Okay. If... You, if someone's already taken their number one pick at goaltender, who would be your options at two and three of who they might be able to get? What do you mean? Like if someone already drafted, like if they say the say the num- yeah, say the say their bona fide starter, who would be good backup options? Um, personally, I always strive to have like a top five to top eight goaltender as my number one spot. So I usually target a guy like Bennington. I'm not in love with going after the top guys. I'm not in love with wasting a draft. It's not a waste of a draft pick, but I'm very different in the sense that I'll load up on forwards because that's where you're going to get a lot of your point production. I'll get maybe one stud demon that I end up trading. And then for goalies, I like a Bennington kind of thing. And then I like getting another middle tier goalie. And Carey Price has been a guy that's been slipping to the middle rounds. And uh, folks, it's Carey Price. He's not a sexy pick anymore, is it? No, he's because the Canadians aren't winning perennially anymore. Right. So nobody's in love with Pricer. Uh, I love Price. This year, I also love, for value, give me Cal P- or Calvin Peterson in Los Angeles. Okay. I, I think Peterson's going to take Quick's job. This is a guy that you can probably get off your waiver wire, too. I don't think he'll get drafted by anybody. But uh, Quick is not the same goalie he was, folks. He's not the goalie who won playoff MVP all those years ago as the eighth seed. Um Looking elsewhere around the league, trying to do this off the top of my head. Thatcher <laughs> Demko. Thatcher Demko, I'm a big fan of too. Uh, although his stock is a little higher based on his playoff showing last year, but Thatcher's a guy that I'm really into. And honestly, this isn't a homer pick, but if you need and you're like a good fantasy owner and you're able to just watch matchups and you care about setting your lineups, getting a guy like Jack Campbell on the Leafs to mm-hmm. play the back-to-backs you're looking at a team that's projected to win the North division, looking at a team that has improved defensively. And if you play in a league where you have wins as a category, I mean, it's a pretty safe bet on most nights for the Leafs to pick up a W. I'm not saying they're going to run away with the division, but they're just a good hockey team. But yeah, my strategy to sum it all up is get yourself a top eight goaltender as your number one. And then your second one, go for those middle rounds. Don't wait. Um, Try not to screw yourself over and get stuck with a handcuff position like with Carolina with a 1A, 1B, like Buffalo with a 1A, 1B. Uh, The Islanders already said they're going to do 1A, 1B with Varley. You kind of want to avoid that because then you're just wasting spots. You want to target people that can pick you up wins and you know they're going to get playing time on their team. Peterson in LA is one of them. Even though it is LA and they're not a great hockey team, he's still a guy there that you can get and hopefully he turns into a stud. He's shown that he can be pretty good. And then uh, Jackie Campbell is a good third goalie for you as well. But yeah, you want like a bonafide 1A starter and then you want like a still workhorse starter that's going to start a lot of the games. I know Jake Allen's in Montreal now too, but uh, Carey Price, if you can pair him up with like a top eight goaltender, you're perfectly fine. And that's one of those things too, is to be aware of is your fantasy league one, how deep it is. And the categories, the commissioner and the league have decided are going to count goaltenders yeah. sometimes count for what three categories. And if someone picks it, they can count for five or six categories. It seems. Yeah. And if you play in a league where your league manager is a scumbag and only has two minimum goalie starts <laughs> a year or a week, uh, tell them to change it to four, tell him or her to change it to four. 
because people will just go and get like two phenomenal starts and completely stop it there because the categories are only wins, uh, save percentage and goals against. And it's just like, well, if I have the best percentage and I have the best GAA, I don't know how to start anybody else. Right. Make sure you have those fail safes. Yell at your owner, or your commissioners for more than two starts a week. There we go. Great advice from Matt Best. He's our resident fantasy hockey expert here on Locked on Predators podcast. And that's by default because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I accept it. All right. Up next, let's talk about structure. Uh, John Hines heard him talking to the team and not necessarily yelling this, but really hammering home the importance of structure during practice at Predators training camp. Let's talk about that up next here on Locked on Predators podcast. I'm Justin Bradford. He's Matt Best. If you're looking to place bets, there's no other place you should go than betonline.ag. Not only am I your resident fantasy expert, I'm also your resident live ad reader. So let's go through this sucker again. Are we ready for some football? Are we ready for some hockey? Are we ready for some baseball? Are we ready for some basketball? All of those things you can find at betonline.ag. The NFL is coming to a close this weekend. Well, not this weekend, but I mean, we're kicking off the playoffs here with some wild card action. It's a lot of good lines that I'm liking over on betonline.ag. You want to head over there right now and create a free account and use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, for your 50% welcome bonus. Tweet at me. Let me know who your favorite picks are this weekend and wild card action. And maybe I'll tell you. Or maybe you can make a bet with me. We'll see what happens. But head over to betonline.ag to make your bets. There's folks, there's no other book you should go to. 50% welcome bonus. Promo code locked on. Welcome back to Locked on Predators Podcast. Justin Bradford, Matt Best. And hey, let's let's discuss structure and practice. So this is what I overheard head coach John Hines saying to the team. And this is there's more to this, but this is the exact quote here is. This is when the structure matters the most details. We have to execute in these drills. There's a mm-hmm. lot more to that quote, but that's what I heard clearly from way up in the press box at Bridgestone arena. We could hear him saying these words all the way down at ice level. That's how empty the arena is during training it's cool. camp, but it's pretty cool to be able to hear it and understand exactly what's being said, but he's hammering home the details of why they have to pay attention and build the structure that the structure they establish right now, is what's going to get them through and help them be successful throughout the season. And he even mentioned, he brought up things like when we get to April, our structure we establish now will come into play. Once we get to April, all those things are establishing right now in camp, the good practices, what they're doing, the good little details they are paying attention to will matter when it gets to be later in the season, because they can always fall back on their structure. They can always rely on their structure. They can rely on the team plan and the identity they're trying to build. Yes. Some of this may be coach speak. Some of it may be cliche, things like that. But I think it's hammering at home, especially for the young players, for maybe the, the guys that aren't necessarily veterans. But it's also important for the veterans to hear this as well that have been there. And maybe it's a different type of coaching style than what they're used to. Because what I see John Hines is more of like is a professor when he's yeah. out there because he takes the time and he has boards set up on the glass that are drawing the different drills they're going to run so they can see it. And what I also noticed too, this is not me necessarily getting on the Heinz bandwagon, but I don't want to see him be successful because I like his coaching style with this is that he's also taking questions from the players too. They're actually there on one knee and having a good back and forth about execution and details. That's what you like to see is open communication between the coach and the players. One, because they're clarifying what exactly wants to be done. And two, it means the coach is willing to listen. Those are really big things to me. That's kind of not on my soapbox, but that's kind of detailing there from what I see. What is your reaction to something like that when you hear a coach talking about structure and those kind of details? 
the point, the fact that you remembered that quote specifically, and I know you probably heard a lot of fun things that involved horrible language that I'm going to pick your brain about after, if you could hear oh, that. There were. Um, but I, I really like what Heinz is doing here because he's basically saying, and this is what I'm getting out of it, is that we don't have a bona fide superstar on this team. We need structure in order to be successful because I plan to run all four lines out because there's teams around the league that have that top line where it's like we've talked about on the podcast before where, yeah, with a couple minutes left in the game, you're down by goal. This line's going out for like a minute and a half of this two, these last two minutes. Whereas I think Hines and you look at what he did in New Jersey too. It's the same exact thing. Didn't have a bona fide superstar was just looking to trot out his four lines and see what he can get from them. And I know he had guys like Gusev and everything, but it's just like, there is no superstar and structure is so important that hockey players tend to forget it as silly as that sounds when they make the NHL because they start thinking, well, I can just dipsy dangle around these guys here and go around the board, snipe at home. And it's like, well, you can't really do that. And Heinz recognizes that. And he knows that. I mean, you look at these lines other than the first line, we could see a lot of movement on the second line. We could see a lot of movement on the third line. The fourth line, I'm not really too concerned about because they play a specific role there. But it's just structure is so vital to this Nashville Predators team in order to play the Predator way, which is just everyone has a part and this team doesn't work unless everyone does their part. First line, score more goals. Like that is easy. <laughs> what you need to do there. Second line, be like just be useful in matchup situations that's what we're looking for here and how do you become useful you run through the intangibles like you just need to know the fundamentals of hockey run simple plays third line be a shutdown line like there is so many things that Heinz is working on with this team that I'm such a fan of and breaking it down from the fundamentals instead of being like well let's just drop the first line out there and create some highlight real goals you're not going to see that from Preds training camp you'll see it from other teams because I mean, they're just having very loose practices, but by the sounds of it, it sounds like Heinz is running a tight ship. It, it does. And that's what I like about the drills. And obviously I'm not seeing what other teams are doing, only solely focus on what the Predators are doing. Mm -hmm. And from what I see is that he's doing a good job preparing them as much as he possibly can to establish his vision, his system, how he wants his team to act and portray. And I, the cliche term work ethic, but <laughs> that I know you don't, that you laugh at a little bit, but I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it, you know, it, in I terms of like how what he expects, and you can tell that he's making his expectations very, very clear. But what I do like, this is a big difference from Peter Laviolette, and that there's a lot of communication going on. Yes. Peter Laviolette does a great job of getting a lot out of his teams in a very short amount of time, and then it fizzles out. Which for a team like the Washington Capitals with limited time left with Alexander Ovechkin being an NHL player, yeah, you want to squeeze as much juice as you can right now from mm -hmm. it but that it runs its course. And so that's totally fine if you're willing to do that. And that's the kind of system you need to run. John Hines, I can tell is trying to build a structure and a system that'll be a little more longer lasting, hopefully for his sake. Right. Yeah. But also help develop the players there that are younger and help the veterans also have the type of structure. So that's what I'm noticing as well. I know there's people out there like fire Hines, fire Hines right now. He doesn't deserve this job. Like let's, let's see what happens first. Let's see what happens because this is going to be another weird season that even after this season, if it doesn't go all according to plan, I still think he deserves one full season. This is going to be the season where we see the least amount of head coaches yep. fired. Yeah, I've never been so confident in that. I usually love to bet on um, first head coach fired across like major sports <laughs> kind of thing. And I've been pretty good at it, um, but I just have no interest in touching it with hockey this year. Honestly, yeah. I think maybe one or two coaches get fired. 
if, if it's that. just awful, god awful. Yeah, it and has to be like you start the season one and eleven kind of thing, awful. Right. You're expected to be like a five hundred team. Right. If any of these like top teams, like the Leafs or the uh, Oilers, you go on the list forever. Um, if any of them get off to a bad start and they're near five hundred, there's going to be no panic button this year. It's just right. You got to really suck in order to get your coach fired this year. And it's another one of those years too, where if a team just gets hot at the right time, they really could. Yeah. And that's that's every year, but I think this year, say a team gets hot and goes on a seven or eight game winning streak, that could seal them a, a, a seed that maybe in an, another year they wouldn't be able to to sustain that. No, because they'd end up towards the end of the season just fizzling out and playing normal hockey. But I mean, in a shortened season, if you find any of these teams with a quick eight win streak they're probably going to make the playoffs probably. Yeah. Because just, the people don't realize on. that. Yeah. An eight game win streak during a regular season, like a normal one is a big deal. An eight game win streak. When you're playing, you're only, you're only playing your division. You're going to get such a lead on everyone. Absolutely. Like, it's those things that uh, people should really look out for this year. It'd be nice to see the Preds get out. Too. What do you like a successful start to the season through 10 games to me is six and four. I haven't oh, looked absolutely. at the schedule. I haven't stared at it. I don't want to do a schedule breakdown until like right before we get going kind of thing. Right. But like six and four, anything above 500 is completely yeah. successful. Six, three and one. I'd even yeah. do a five, four and one <laughs> would be okay. Just be above 500. I think is a great goal because after that 10 game point, then you should be establishing your identity. You know, which players are going to perform at now. You know, you know what this team is by then, especially because you have to know this season, what this team is going to be after yeah. 10 games. You have to be. <laughs> you're, you're already like, a fifth of the one, way through the season. I was going to say, it's one fifth year season. Your identity needs to be right on the forefront after 10 games, or you're going to be scrambling for another 10, and then you're two-fifths of the way, and then you're kind of screwed. Yep. All right, up next, let's discuss now what's going on with Predators prospects. They made an announcement of who their partner is going to be for the season in the AHL. Also, a prospect goes on loan, and we'll discuss it up next. You're on the Locked Predators podcast. I'm Justin Bradford. He's Matt Best. Welcome back to Locked On Predators podcast. Justin Bradford, Matt Best coming at you. So first off, Predators, they loan Igor Afanasyev to the KHL's CSKA Moscow, which is where he's been already before. Uh, Just fresh off World Juniors were unfortunately for for him and two other Preds prospects. Team Russia was not able to medal uh, in losing to Finland, but I think this is good for his development. It's much better than sending him to the ECHL, potentially if they figured out a rule or for him to sit or if he even played in the O whenever the O figures out what it's going to do. I think this guaranteed is really ice good. Time yeah, it's guaranteed ice time, playing professional hockey as well. So yep. he's playing against better talent than he would be playing against in the OHL. Uh, he's also in a comfortable position because he's playing alongside plenty of fellow countrymen as well in terms of culture and language, which helps him just be in a comfortable situation to continue to develop. So I like this move to loan him back out there. He's only 19 years old, but he's very much world traveled as he's played in juniors in North America, plus the U.S. and so in U.S. and Canada. He's been to Predators training camps. He's played a preseason game as well. He's been to world juniors. So he's getting a lot of good experience all across different levels of hockey, which I think helps set him up for a good training camp next year, which is where you might see him push for an NHL spot in the 21-22 season. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. Like, this was the number one spot where I wanted to see him go. Uh, Taxi Squad, I would have been up in arms and freaking Mm -hmm. out. That would have been terrible. ECHL would have been a joke. And it's not to say the ECHL is a joke. They have really entertaining hockey. It's just you can't shove a top prospect there. That's not a thing. Um, Having him play, like you said, with his countrymen, 
it's perfect for him. He's 19 years old. The best development he can get is consistent ice time playing against men. And that's exactly what he's going to do. It's uh, it's interesting to see where some of these prospects are starting to go. I didn't think the Swedish elite league would let a lot of people in, but uh, they seem to be opening their doors a tiny bit, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit, just a so, little, just a little. So regarding other prospects, natural predators announced a partnership with the Carolina hurricanes. So an AHL partnership with the Carolina hurricanes, meaning that they'll have, Opportunity to send players to the Chicago Wolves of the American Hockey League for the 2020-21 season, also known as the 21 season. <laughs> so with Milwaukee Admirals not playing this season, they obviously had to figure out a place to send some of their other prospects that could play in the AHL. Carolina's affiliate in Chicago will be it. And I received some clarification on this as well. Basically, the way that they'll dress is when they're playing games will be 50% Carolina prospects, 50% Predators prospects, or their own actual signees in the AHL. I don't think there's going to be as many of those this season, just because you have so many prospects that need homes. That's really what's going to be made up of, is that they'll have 50%, so six forwards and three defensemen from one team, six forwards and three defensemen and a goaltender from another team. That's how it's going to be made up. The Predators could send up, not up to, but at the point it it is on paper right now, could send potentially 17 players. Obviously, that means not all of them are going to play at the same time, but that's between uh, the Florida Everblades and the ECHL and the Chicago Wolves of the American Hockey League. And it is interesting because the Wolves are a rival of the Milwaukee admirals. Hmm. Uh, but, but it's one of those things too. Someone actually brought up a good point, uh, actually a good question for us to address and saying that, so these guys are going to be playing with other prospects that right now are division rival in the NHL. That's, that's strange. And I, I think it's actually more of a unique situation because in hockey, so many of these guys grow up and going through the ranks playing with each other they know each other, or against yeah. each other. They know each other very, very well. For instance, you had plenty of guys that may play in the same junior or college team playing against each other in the world juniors because the, the country they're from mm-hmm. or vice versa. A lot of times you'll have guys that play separately on different teams that might be heated rivals, but they're from the same country. Then they have to come together world juniors and now they're teammates. Yeah. I, I all the time. I honestly think, and this is, it's not a hot take. I think fans care more about rivalries oh, yeah. than players do. Not except, a hot take at all. Except for when it's country versus country. I think right. if me and you like played on the same NHL team, if we <laughs> what a joke, if we made the NHL and then it was like, oh, we got selected to go to the Olympics, I'd hate your guts at the Olympics. Oh, I wouldn't yeah, want to be sure. your friend there. And then as soon as we're done, I'd be like, that was fun. Like that's yeah. the only time I see hockey players really take a rivalry seriously. I mean, yeah, you look back in the old days and it was just like Leafs versus Senators was the Battle of Ontario. Right. No one up here has cared about that in years because either the Leafs were terrible or the Senators were terrible. But still, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The fans treated it as the Battle of Ontario still, which is why the fans were all riled up. Whereas the players were like, these are my boys. I don't really care. Let's just play some hockey. Right. But on a country setting, it's so much bigger. Um, fans who are starting to complain about, yeah, but they're playing for the Wolves and we're our rival. It's like, the AHL this year is not going to be a race the for the same. Calder Cup. It's not going to be like, it's not going to mean as much to diehard fans of the AHL. It's going to be a developmental league this year. Like that's all they're going to look for here. Because at the, at the end of the day, the coaches care about making the hockey players the best they can be and making sure they succeed on national stage. Because if the players succeed, 
the coach succeeds and the coach mm-hmm. gets a promotion. So this is really, it's going to be a showcase of top talent and top coaching. And you could see a lot of when those coaching changes happen next year, a lot of AHL coaches could get their time to shine based on this shortened season. Absolutely could. And, and yeah, it does come down. There's sometimes during the season, especially when you're in the heat of the season and everything too. Yeah. You're going to hate other guys on other teams. And some of them just draw that, you know, way more than others. <laughs> Corey Perry, Brad Marchand. Uh, yeah. Those, I mean, those those comeback players, but, yes, yeah, yes, yes. players, but overall what we see is so much camaraderie and brotherhood throughout this. And for instance, I see it in junior hockey here in Tennessee, especially when it comes to, high school hockey, when they're playing their games in high school, they're heated rivals on the ice. As soon as that final horn goes off, there's so many of these guys that either play in the junior preds or the flyers together that they're going up and shaking each other's hands, giving each other a good hug or, you know, a good little tap on the helmet and everything too, especially in middle Tennessee, because youth hockey is not, I mean, it's, it's growing, it's getting bigger and bigger, but it's still a tight knit community. Most of these kids, especially if they're from here, they grew up playing mites together. They grew up playing together. They've been on the ice so many yeah. times. Everybody knows each other. It's a community. So, yeah, you, you're fully on when it's during the game, but when it's off, you're friends. And oh, I see 100%. that kind of this way, too, is that they're going to be able to come together because playing for the Wolves then, to them, well, this is my assignment. This is my new team. I need to do whatever I need to do to make this team successful. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. To if junior hockey and stuff is the same way, like high school hockey is the same way down there. But for here growing up, if you had like a jacket from a travel team on during high school, but one of your buddies had another jacket from a different travel team, but you went to the same high school, they hung out all the time. It doesn't matter that they hated each other on the ice. It was just like the hockey guys hung out with the hockey guys. And it was just like the baseball guys hung out with the baseball guys. Those hockey guys love each other. It doesn't matter. Like if they play for the biggest rival teams, I mean, the most fun rivalries we've seen the NHL transform into is other than Ryan Reeves against the world. It's uh, <laughs> it's been just like the Kachuk brothers going against each other. Like the, it's, it's all those things, the Hughes brothers, like people enjoy watching that more and the players play harder for things like that. And I mean, I know there's the Dowdy and Kachuk rivalry that I'm really sad. We won't get to watch this year because that is just an unbelievable spectacle. But I mean, with everything that's happened in the global climate, rivalries have died down a bit, which is, yeah, it fits based on what's happening in the world. But I mean, it'd be nice to see, not blood and guts, but just like, <laughs> give me some rah-rah action kind of thing between a couple of teams. Because if you think about it, name me a good rivalry where every single game is just like, it feels like a playoff game and it's in the regular season. You're hard pressed to think of one. Not nowadays. It's a little it's difficult nowadays. Like Back in the nineties, yeah, across the nineties, like and early two thousands, yeah, you could do like team versus NHL. I <laughs> like mean, the Detroit, Broad Street Bullies, Detroit, right? Colorado. Yeah, like you don't have anything like that anymore. Oh, Detroit, Colorado is so much fun. That's like what I grew up oh, yeah. watching. That was unbelievable. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like, there's none of that anymore, and I miss it. We're not going to get it back this year. Right. Maybe next year. And, and you're right too. I think a lot of it in terms of rivalries right now is more fan base versus fan base, which is totally okay. It oh, helps awesome. amp up the atmosphere. It gives you something to cheer for and cheer about. So absolutely, that's cool. And so what one thing I've noticed too a lot of times is that there's certain types of rivalries, and I know we're completely getting off topic here, but it's it's a fun one to discuss, that rivalries that sometimes it's fan base hating other fan base, and then other times it's fan base hating team and players on said team. Mm-hmm. So what I saw a lot of times in terms of the Predators fans and hating is most of the time with the Blackhawks, it wasn't necessarily Predators fans hating as many players on the Blackhawks team. 
it was hating Blackhawks fan base and how yeah. fan base reacted. Whereas with the St. Louis Blues, there's Predators fans hating both, <laughs> like Robert Pertuzzo being one of the, <laughs> the, the top ones there, hating both. And then with the Dallas Stars, only really hating the team. Like yeah. It's it's very so much with rivalries, and I think Nashville still being a young overall fan base and trying to establish a rivalry. But now with the way the NHL is too, rivalries change so much unless you have those old storied rivalries that are just in, so ingrained in the culture of a team. But like mm-hmm. Nashville for a couple of years, obviously Detroit for the first few years of the franchise for the first decade it was Detroit, and then it was you know, Winnipeg, Chicago have been in there. Well, Chicago has been as competitive now. Obviously, people still hate the Hawks. Then St. Louis, well, Dallas, and they face each other in Winter Classic and in the playoffs mm-hmm. and everything. So it kind of starts rotating around because you don't have teams that are specifically always good at the same time facing yeah. each other. And so it adjusts the rivalries a little bit, whereas you have your storied ones that are always just going to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Boston and Montreal are always going to be a fun rivalry. Yeah, I mean, the B- Battle of Alberta, too. Yeah, It's not exactly. as great as it once was, and I mean, that's more of a fan base hate and fan base kind of thing, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that that has lived on forever. And I mean, people are going to say, Matt, how about the Toronto-Boston thing? Like, don't you care about that anymore? It happened so many years ago that, yeah, it sucks and it's awful to have in franchise history. But, like, (laughs) if you're a Leafs fan and you still hold on to that, stop. Like, think about who was on that roster. Cody Franzen was on that roster. I mean, like, that team is so different than what it was today. And people say, well, the Leafs still play, like, the Leafs still get smacked around by the Bruins. The Bruins are the direct counter to what the Toronto Maple Leafs play because they're in your face and they hit the heck out of you. Like they just play better. It's not because it's a rivalry game. You don't need them to step it up for this game. You need them to step it up for every game. I just don't buy that anymore for Leaf fans. Uh, And the battle of Alberta, I wish it was a bit more. I mean, it's still fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to see it a bunch in the North this year. So maybe I'll eat my words, but rivalries aren't uh, a thing anymore. And it makes me sad. All right. So let's see what kind of rivalries develop within the team after the scrimmage on Friday night for the Natural Predators. <laughs> Folks, make sure you follow us at LO underscore Predators to make sure you get an update. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to us. He's at Best of Matt on Twitter. I'm at Justin B. Bradford. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we'll speak to you next time.